our Bible open to Ephesians chapter 4. That's a wonderful thought he just gave us. This my thought through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. One day when we get over on the other side, we'll be able to look back and know that Jesus led us all the way. He made not one mistake. We make mistakes. He makes no mistakes. How precious. Ephesians chapter 4 is, you might say, the heart of the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul, in all probability, was in prison when he wrote this. These are some of the prison epistles. Actually, in the original manuscript, there's no address to the church at Ephesus. It's rather to a general church. Many believe it was addressed to the Laodicean church as well as the Ephesian church and others in that area. The whole theme seems to be how God's people are to walk circumspectly in the earth so that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we allow ourselves to think of that thought, the fact that Christ lives inside of us, it does matter what we say or how we say it. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We may disagree, but we disagree agreeably. We walk so as to please the Lord came a time in Peter's ministry that, uh, and, and Paul, and Paul said he had to withstand Peter to the face, but he didn't dislike Peter. There was no harbored grudges in their hearts toward each other. Paul is writing this Ephesian letter, and there are at least three things in it. He says, I want you to walk in unity, I want you to walk in purity, and I want you to walk in the Spirit. Let's look at it for a moment. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. It's interesting, he doesn't say I'm a prisoner of the Roman government. These old Romans put me in prison. He said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. The Lord put me here so that I could, God is able to work all things together for good. When the vicissitudes come, and most of us don't like them, when they come, remember that God could have been in the shadows directing the traffic. When you think what happened to Job in the Old Testament, as we read the book of Job, we know more about it than Job himself knew. We know that Satan met with God and said, I know the only reason Job is serving you is because you put a hedge around him. Well, anything bad happened to him. God sort of laughed at him. He said, I'll show you, I'll put, a, I'll put this man on display before the world. I'll show you how a godly man reacts when calamity comes. We don't have time to discuss all that tonight, but you know the story of Job. His children were taken away, his farms were taken away. His wife said, curse God and die. His three friends came. They were so amazed at him when they got there, they sat seven days in silence. And then they began to accuse him. They said, Job, the only reason this has happened is because you've sinned. 
some terrible thing in your life. And they went on and on and on and on and on until God finally vindicated him. I think Job finally found out that God allowed Satan to do this, to put him on display before the world to show how a godly man can accept vicissitudes and hurts. And all of us need to face that. You do not return evil for evil. You don't have a get-even policy. Somebody hits you in the nose, I'm going to hit them back. No, you don't do that. Now, I know that's not a very popular doctrine, but that isn't God's will. Stephen, we're going to be studying him in Sunday school Sunday. Stephen was being stoned to death. And while he was being stoned, he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he said, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. How much like the Lord. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And you, need, you and I have to have that kind of spirit toward people that don't like us or hurt us or hurt our feelings. We just have to go right on. I, prisoner of Jesus, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So what he's focusing on is, here's the Lord. The Lord is one Lord. We don't serve three gods. We serve one God. Now that's the big misunderstanding in the religious world tonight. The Mormons think that we serve three gods. We talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, they don't like that at all. The Muslims have the same problem. They say, we serve Allah. Allah has no son. He's one God. They don't understand that our God the Father is one God. Hear Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. One Lord. Not three Lords, one Lord. But he manifests himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's hard for a lot of people to understand. You take uh, Brother Mickey over here. Brother Mickey's one man. But he serves in the office of a father, a son, and a husband. To his wife, He's a husband. To Brian, he's daddy. To his daddy, who's gone to be with the Lord, he was son. One person. So is God our Father. That's what he's saying. We serve one Lord. We have one faith, one set of faith. That faith is the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says there's one baptism. Now that baptism is not water baptism. It's spirit baptism. You can only be born in the Holy Spirit one time. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ one time. We're reindwelled many times. Thank God for the reindwelling power of the Holy Spirit. We have leaky vessels. 
we get filled with the Holy Spirit, today's fullness will not do for tomorrow. Again tomorrow, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The next day, the next day, and the next day, all the rest of our lives, we get saved one time. I was saved in August of 1939, one time. At that time, I was baptized into the body of Christ, not by water, but by the Spirit. Later on that same fall, I was baptized by water. That baptism by water was a symbol of the baptism of the Spirit. Now, he's saying here, I want you to walk in the unity of knowing that we serve one God, one faith, one baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're born into the family of God. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Talk to a man today in the hospital. He's having a tough time. He used to come to church here. He said, I was saved when I was old. As a matter of fact, when I talked to him, first of all, he said, well, you saved me. I said, no, Ricky, I didn't save you. If you got saved, Jesus saved you. Well, he said, I think I need to be saved again. Well, he didn't need to be saved again. The problem is, I'm not sure he was ever saved to begin with. But today we talked and we prayed, read the word of God, and he invited Jesus to come into his heart to be his savior. Tomorrow he faces very serious surgery. Well, the Lord cleanses and forgives and saves whosoever will come to him. One God, the Father of all, who is above all in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of gift, gift of Christ. Whereas he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended the same one ascended far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean we all agree on everything. <clears throat> we used to have a lady in our church years ago, she was a very nervous lady. Somebody just kidding her one day and said, uh, you know what two times two is? She said, two times two is four, but it sure makes me nervous. <laughs> well, she sort of had a problem, but she was able to recover from that and, and keep on keeping on. Well, we don't all see everything alike. Some see through one set of eyes, some through another set of eyes, Really, we need to see it through the eyes of Jesus. But where there are differences of opinion, we need to respect each other. Not put them down, just respect each other. And the fact is that in a Baptist church where the larger group uh, votes one way, well, we go that way. Uh, that's the way in America. I have not heard of anybody succeeding from, seceding from America because we elected a certain man 
president last November. You may not agree with some of the policies, but you're going to pray for him and love him and help him. Well, that's the way it is in our lives, in our ministry, in our service. And he says, walk in unity. This is God's plan, God's will, that we walk in unity and not in grumbling. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into, into him in all things which is, the head of even, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and, comp- and compacted by that which, they, which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Now some of those words are sort of tough to get. Take a, maybe an hour to figure all that what is, and explain what he's saying. But basically what he's saying is walk in unity. Walk in love. Love one another. Uh, let the love of Christ come and take control and send a great revival in our soul. That's God's plan. Secondly, he says walk in purity. Look at verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of Christ through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work with all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful riches and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which is after Christ is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for your members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, when Peter was at the trial, I don't know what he said. One of the men came and said, I know who you are. You're one of those disciples of Jesus. Your speech betrays you. He began to curse and swear. This is Peter, Simon Peter, a Christian? Yeah. See, a Christian, don't forget, we still have an old nature. An old nature is bitter filled with sin, filled with self, filled with, filled with the old vocabulary. And unless we allow the Holy Spirit to come and take control, that old nature will get the best and say some things that we never meant to say. That's the reason the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth 
talking about personally, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It is never God's will for Christians to use minced oaths or barnyard language. That's never God's will. Do Christians sometimes do it? Yeah, the Bible says that, yeah. But what do we do about it? Put it away, put it away, put it away. Let it be gone from us. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If we could keep that in mind. You know, sometimes we get so out of the will of God. Um, I go to a barber here in Bowling Green who has never allowed profanity or dirty jokes to go on in his barbershop. But I've been in other barbershops where all kinds of stuff's going on. I walk in, and all of a sudden there's a quietness. The barber says, uh, uh, fellas, this a preacher just came in, and there's silence. I don't know what they've been doing before. I don't want them necessarily to be silent in my presence, but in his presence. And folks, if people enjoy cursing and telling smutty things around you, there's something wrong. A man was telling me the other day, he said, uh, had a group of people, uh, this was in another church, so I had a group of people talking about the preacher, said all kinds of things about him. And he said, I was, I was there, they were talking to me and everybody else was listening. He said, finally, I just said to the man, I don't agree with a thing you're saying and I don't want to hear it anymore. And he walked off. He said, they never talked to him about that again. Never. See, you can avoid that kind of stuff if you allow the Holy Spirit to control your life in a godly way. Let the Holy Spirit come and take control and send a great revival to my soul. One more thing in this passage, beginning in verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and anger and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be a Spirit-filled person. Walk in unity, walk in purity, walk in the Spirit. Now he says, remember, the Holy Spirit can be easily be grieved. You think of the most sensitive person you've ever met. Maybe it's your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's your grandmother. Maybe it's your sister, somebody that's very sensitive. Now listen carefully. I, I want to say something to you, you girls out there. Listen carefully. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Listen. If people are comfortable saying ugly words around you or barnyard language around you, you know whose fault it is? Yours. Yours. You're enjoying it. The one way to stop it is say, you know, I don't like that. I don't want to hear all that. You say, well, they'll think I'm goody, Mr. Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. Let them think that. You are. Who do you want to think more of you, the Lord Jesus or your crony friends? Who do you really want to think most, most of you? 
How dare you to let Jesus think the most of you? Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. See, what he's talking about here, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The interesting thing is, these are all spiritual sins. They're not sins of the flesh. He doesn't say, get all adultery out of your life and all drunkenness out of your life and all that. Of course, that's understood. But he's saying the thing that grieves the Holy Spirit are these spiritual sins, bitterness. Oh, I'm mad. I don't like what they did. I'm going to take it out on them. That's bitterness. That's bitterness. And if you're not careful, bitterness will control you. And when bitterness controls you, the Holy Spirit doesn't have any access to you. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil being put away from you with all malice. And he says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Let me ask you. We're going to study Stephen in Sunday School Sunday. As you study Stephen, do you think he was a pushover? You know what he did? He spoke right to the ones who crucified Jesus and said, you rejected Joseph. You rejected Moses. You rejected the prophets. You rejected Jesus. They railed on him. They hated him for saying that. He wasn't scared to run off. But while he was dying and they were killing him, he said, Father, forgive them. Don't lay this charge to their elect. So you and I can have convictions, strong understanding about the will of God, do the right thing, and yet have forgiveness in our hearts. We can do that. I believe that's God's plan and God's will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, guide us through the stormy days that we go through. Americans are going through some storms right now. Individuals in this room are going through some storms. Some who will be listening later will be going through some storms. We thank you that the Lord Jesus will be with us till the storm passes by. Have thine own way in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Brother Brian, find the song till the storm passes by, and let's sing that tonight. Storm is coming. It's on its way. If it hadn't come to you, it's on its way. But he'll be with us till the storm passes by. We need the page number. 481. What page? 481. 481. Page 481. Till the storm passes by. Remember, storms are blowing and coming, but let's just trust the Lord with it. If God has placed anything on your heart tonight, something you need to pray about, come to the altar and pray. If there's any commitment you need to make to Jesus tonight, do that. You know, it's a wonderful thing when somebody turns from waywardness <coughs> and uh, careless living back to the Lord. That means a whole lot. There's always time for a new resolve. Let the Lord have his way in your life. While we sing this, 481, till the storm passes by.